section twenty four of the three lieutenants this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the three lieutenants by william henry giles kingston chapter nineteen part two spiders attempt to escape the midshipmen go in chase and lose themselves boarded by ants nearly take the brig search for the midshipmen in the forest a native habitation angostura and its people land the consul and his better half return the most excited person on board was the midshipman's pet master spider seeing the green foliage overhead he became inspired with the idea of visiting the haunts of his childhood the owners not thinking of this had allowed him to be loose up the rigging he sprang with tom and gerald after him they were very nearly as nimble as he was he had reached the fore topgallant yard close to which temptingly hung a mass of vines just such as one might suppose he had been accustomed to swing in in his early days into it he sprang and began to climb one of the many wide-spreading branches to which the vines were attached tom and gerald afraid of losing him followed and were soon lost to sight among the dense foliage i did not myself see this but supposed them still to be among the men on the yards for i was busy at the moment in getting the boat lowered and pointing out the direction in which the kedge was to be carried calling the men down i ordered them to haul away on the warp to get the head of the brig out again into the stream while however the branch was fixed in the mainsail this could not be done needham who saw what was necessary called for the assistance of the pilot who was a wonderfully strong man and having lowered the peak the two put their shoulders under the boom and by a wonderful exertion of strength lifted it out of the crutch and let it run forward at that moment a large mass fell from the branch on deck i turned round to ascertain what it was when i saw issuing from the fragments myriads of large ants which went crawling all over the deck oh they will bite us to death exclaimed anselmo making a bolt up the rigging needham who had already had his feet attacked followed his example the consul who had been sitting on deck with his wife well knowing the biting powers of the creatures seized her round the waist and attempted to carry her down the companion hatchway but in his terror he let her go by the run and she lay shrieking at the bottom for she was much hurt while he pitched down head foremost after her a whole army of ants following the deck literally swarmed with them the creatures came creeping forward attacking our shoeless feet and biting in a most frightful manner for the instant i thought that they would have driven me and my crew overboard the men at the warp quickly recovering hauled away as before though they were unable to withstand stamping and leaping in their vain efforts to free themselves of the fiery pests we had managed to get the brig free of the bows when i bethought me of attacking the creatures with water and ordering all the buckets to be filled we immediately began deluging the decks the ants which still remained on it being quickly swept through the scuppers numbers having however already gained the hammock nettings and rigging it was no easy matter to dislodge them bevan with the boat's crew who had gone off with the kedge fortunately for themselves escaped and he told me afterwards that not knowing what had happened he fancied for a moment that we were all gone mad from the curious way in which i setting the example every one on board had begun suddenly to leap and skip about 
a gouty gentleman subjected to the discipline we went through would quickly have been cured of his complaint our next puzzle was to get rid of the creatures in the rigging i partly accomplished the task by sending hands into the tops with buckets who dashed the water down in every direction to clear the cabin of them however was a more difficult task as soon as the deck was somewhat free i went down below where from the conversation i heard with occasional cries which proceeded from the cabin i guessed that the consul and his wife were employed in freeing their persons from the pests senhor guedes presently afterwards appeared with a basin in which were floating countless numbers of the slain still i saw them crawling about the cabin in every direction and it struck me that the youngsters might be usefully employed in catching them i accordingly sent for them when to my dismay i was told that they were nowhere to be found at last one of the topmen said that he had seen them chasing master spider among the boughs of the forest a vision of jaguars venomous sea-snakes and other reptiles rose up before me and i began to fear that they might have met with some accident we looked towards the forest but they could nowhere be seen we shouted to them to show themselves but no answer came to our repeated hails i immediately ordered anselmo's canoe to be lowered and as soon as the brig had been brought safely to an anchor at a distance from the trees i paddled off to look for them i was quickly under the boughs but as far as my eye could reach water alone was to be seen with huge trees apparently growing out of it by sounding i found that the depth even some way in was fully six feet again and again i shouted but got no answer and as for seeing anything above my head that was impossible from the mass of cypos as anselmo called them or vines which hung in festoons from the branches of the trees uniting them in one vast network i began to fear that the youngsters had in their hurry to overtake spider slipped from aloft and fallen into the water where they might have stuck in the mud or been carried off by some voracious alligator watching for his prey going a little farther i again shouted when a cry came from among the branches above my head i looked up expecting to see the lads but could not make them out at last i distinctly heard tom's voice exclaiming here we are sir but spider will hold on by the boughs with his tail and we cannot get him along but that is nothing sir added gerald we are surrounded by hundreds of monkeys and are afraid that they will carry him off if we let him go again wring his neck and pitch him down and then come down yourselves i shouted out losing temper that's not so easily done sir cried gerald the monkeys may take it into their heads to carry us off no fear of that i shouted out tie spider's tail over his head and you will easily bring him down by some of these vines if you happen to fall into the water i will pick you up the youngsters did as i directed them though spider showed fight and bit gerald while he was trying to perform the operation tom however very wisely thought of tying his handkerchief over the monkey's head and now dragging him along they began to make their way down to the lower branches not being able however to ascertain how near the vines reached to the water they came down by some which hung eight or ten feet from the surface this was too great a height to drop from into the canoe supposing that i was losing patience and that i might punish them for their freak they let go and monkey and midshipmen came down by the run into the water where the three adventurers cut a ludicrous figure splashing spluttering and kicking till i got up to them the latter were not much the worse for their ducking but the monkey was very nearly drowned before i had helped him out we have got spider anyhow sung out tom not holding me in much awe but gerald took matters more seriously 
faith sir we could not help it he exclaimed the baste of a monkey would set off to join his brothers in the bush and if we had not gone after him they would have made a haythen of him to a certainty i suppose then master gerald you consider that he has become a christian under your instruction well sir answered gerald looking up with a comical expression which reminded me of an old shipmate of mine he is as good a christian anyhow as many who call themselves so and considering that he has got a tail he is a remarkable civilized baste well i will overlook your offence of quitting the ship without permission i said trying to keep from laughing you were not aware probably that you were to be left among the tops of the trees when we hauled off from them i don't accuse you of intending to desert thank you sir we will promise not to go monkey-hunting again without your leave answered the two midshipmen in chorus as i was in no hurry to get on board and the youngsters were not likely to suffer from sitting in their wet clothes i paddled away for some distance among the trees the greatest number were palms but there were others of all descriptions of which i am unable even to give the names after going a little way we came to a somewhat more open space when we heard a peculiar chattering overhead while showers of sticks came pattering down on our heads on looking up to ascertain the cause we saw high above us among the tops of the tallest trees a whole clan of large bushy-tailed monkeys there must have been a hundred or more some old and some young gambolling about and playing all sorts of pranks no sooner did they catch sight of us than they stopped and scampered off helter-skelter the old ones catching hold of the young ones in their arms all equally anxious to make their escape some took prodigious leaps catching the branches with their long tails and after a swing or two throwing themselves to another branch and so made their way amid the boughs till the whole of them were quickly lost to sight they however had not gone far when tom's quick eyes detected several bushy faces grinning out from among the boughs where they had concealed themselves we paddled on a short distance and then remained quiet when in a few minutes first one bolder than the rest came out from his hiding-place and then another and another uttering sharp cries presently the whole troop came back and began amusing themselves as before the spot for some reason or other suiting their tastes it was great fun i confess and tom and gerald enjoyed it immensely they declared that the monkeys were the same fellows who came to look at them and had threatened as they supposed to make them prisoners i had paddled for some distance into the forest when i considered that it was time to turn back for the sun was getting low it was just possible that i might lose my way and i suspected it would be no easy matter to find it in the dark how far the water might extend over the country i could not tell probably for miles and miles i had begun as i believed to direct the head of the canoe towards the brig steering by the rays of the sun which still came across the forest and struck the topmost boughs of the trees of which i occasionally caught a glimpse when presently tom caught sight of some tempting fruit like plums which hung from the branches almost within our reach i tried to get at them with my paddle by standing up in the canoe on finding this impossible tom and gerald volunteered to climb along the branch when they managed to get hold of a good number which they threw into the canoe though by the by they were nearly toppled down head foremost into the water when making the attempt i tried the plums and found them excellent knowing how welcome they would be on board we took as many as the canoe would hold no one enjoyed them more than spider who munched away at them with amazing gusto till his masters declared that he would burst if he took any more some time was occupied by gathering and eating the plums we had turned about so often that when i began to paddle back on my life i could not tell which direction to take 
not a gleam of sunlight could i see on any of the trees and before we had gone far the gloom of night began to settle down among the tall trunks i did not wish to spend a night in the forest with a chance of being capsized by an alligator or cowfish or grabbed by an anaconda well at all events we shall not starve said tom these plums are very pleasant after the salt pork and dried fish we have had between our teeth for the last few days you forget the turtle soup and the tortoises we did not have a very large share of the former in the gun-room answered gerald and the tortoises were such ugly-looking beasts that we did not take to them kindly that was your own fault then i remarked i should advise you to try the next you get sent in and you will find it superior to fish flesh or fowl dressed according to a receipt senor guedes gave the cook on going round the spot where we fell in with the plums i discovered the branch on which we had first seen them and recollecting its position i was able to pull on in the direction we were then taking thinking that we might be possibly near enough to the ship to be heard the midshipman and i shouted at the top of our voices but no reply came indeed among those huge trunks sounds penetrate to no great distance still hoping to reach the brig i persevered as far as i could judge in the same direction i felt that with all the scientific knowledge possessed by the white man how helpless he is in one of those mighty forests while a native would have found the way without the slightest difficulty monkeys poked out their heads from the boughs on which they nestled and chattered at us macaws parrots toucans and other strange birds screamed at us and gerald and tom declared that they saw huge snakes wriggling along the branches and about to drop down and attack us but i suspected they were merely sipos which seen in the uncertain light as we went along appeared to be moving at last i began to fear that we should not find the brig till daylight and should have to pass the night in the forest the canoe laden as she was with plums not allowing us space to lie down i proposed if we failed after a further attempt to find the brig that we should look out for a tree with wide-spreading branches into which we could climb and remain till daylight but pray don't think of such a thing cried tom we should have a whole troop of monkeys down upon us and be carried off in our sleep by an army of anacondas i laughed at his fears though i thought that we should very likely be attacked by ants such as had almost taken the brig from us i never liked to be beaten in an object should it seem possible of attainment and so i persevered and again we all shouted but with the same want of success as before i thought that very possibly by this time we might be two or three miles away from the brig just as likely as near her for i confess i was extremely doubtful as to the direction we had taken well youngsters i am afraid there is no help for it i remarked if you do not like to sleep among the branches we must run the risk of turning our plums into jam we will make the canoe fast to a tree and try to get some rest one at a time however must keep watch though i don't think we run much risk of being attacked by human or savage foes i was looking out for a branch to which to make the painter fast when tom declared that he saw a light far off between the tall trunks by moving a little on one side i also caught sight of it and at once paddled away in that direction it grew brighter as we advanced and appeared to be elevated some little distance above the water i was very certain that it could not proceed from the brig it seemed indeed to be produced by a fire but how a fire could exist in such a place it was puzzling to say unless it was on the bank of the river or on an island elevated some height above the surface of the water at all events we were likely to meet with human beings who if natives would probably be able to pilot us back to the brig 
i told the youngsters to keep silent and paddled cautiously on it was necessary indeed to be very careful for fear of capsizing the canoe against a floating log or projecting branch unseen in the darkness after going on for some distance what was our surprise to find directly ahead a large platform secured to the trunks of several lofty palms elevated about six feet above the water a fire was burning in the centre round which were seated a number of dark-skinned natives with scarcely a particle of clothing on their bodies above the platform was a roof of palm leaves below which were hung a number of hammocks of various sizes the small ones containing children and under them were a variety of other articles while two canoes were made fast to the cross-beams which afforded support to the structure the flames from the fire lighted up the figures of the natives and cast a ruddy glare on the trunks of the trees the dark foliage the surrounding water and on our canoe as we approached the men perceiving us started up and seized their lances guessing that they understood spanish i shouted amigo amigo and paddling on towards them they were soon satisfied that we came with no hostile intent and as tom made fast the canoe to a ladder which rested against the platform they stretched out their hands to assist us up though unable to speak any language but their own they seemed to comprehend that we were officers and when i uttered the word navio they nodded to show us that they knew we had come from a ship out in the river and that we wished to return to her as i had no wish to pass the night among them i tried to explain to them that i would reward them well if they would at once pilot us back after some time i got them as i supposed to understand my meaning for they again nodded their heads and pointed in the direction from which we had come showing me that when i fancied i had been paddling out towards the stream i had in reality been directing my course inland they offered us some of their meal consisting of broiled fish and cakes made i suspect from the flower or pith of the very palm trees on which the platform was erected they gave us also some palm wine we did not ask how it was made but it tasted very well indeed our hosts showed every wish to be friendly the flooring of this strange habitation was i found on examination composed of the split trunks of small palms the hearth consisted of a mass of clay thick enough to prevent the heat from injuring the wood below the people i afterwards found from the consul belonged to a tribe of the guarinis who are the only inhabitants of this submerged region of the orinoco when the waters subside they take up their abode on shore their only vegetable food is what they obtain from the palm trees and they subsist generally on turtle tortoises and the flesh of the manatee or cowfish and other fish which they spear or take with nets some of the young women were pretty good-looking and wore scant petticoats made of the cabbage palm leaves but the men had on little more than a belt round the waist with a few leaves hung from it as i was afraid that my people would be going in search of us and very likely lose themselves i made the natives understand that i should be glad to take my departure they nodded and two of them got into the smallest of their canoes and paddled a little way to show that they were ready to pilot us shaking hands with all round the youngsters and i got into our canoe and followed our guides i had to exert myself however to keep up with them but as i knew that where they went my canoe could pass we made good way we had gone some distance when the sound of a gun reached us echoing from trunk to trunk throughout the forest but it was not easy to ascertain from what direction it came and had i been alone it would scarcely have served to guide me the natives however paddled on in their former course showing me that they knew perfectly well what they were about we soon came out into an open part of the river a short distance above where the brig lay 
and i at once made out her spars rising against the sky our absence had caused some anxiety to bevan and the rest he had just lowered a boat and was about to send norris and needham to look for us the natives were well satisfied with the reward i bestowed on them not so anselmo at seeing it given one bullet through the head or poke with a pike good enough for dem observed the rascal i resolved the next time i went plum-picking to carry a compass and to get back before the sun should sink below the tops of the trees by the by the sun is often not to be obtained as a guide for i afterwards visited parts of the forest where even his rays could not penetrate we got under way the next morning as soon as the sea-breeze reached us but again signor anselmo managed to get drunk as a fiddler and after we had nearly been run on shore i was obliged to bring up a fact of which he was totally unaware there he stood at his usual post shouting out to the helmsman starboard port steady and at last as grave as a judge he observed to me it's time to bring up captain us no make headway i see i should think not mate said needham vessels don't often go ahead with the anchor down we are not going astern either as we did yesterday eh it would have been useless to flog the fellow or to put him in the blacklist for he would probably have slipped into his canoe and left us to find our way as best we could besides when he was sober he was as good a pilot as could be desired i determined therefore to bear with him and to keep liquor out of his way i was fortunate in finding his calabash which i hove overboard and gave notice that i would flog any man who supplied him with liquor beyond his portion this had a good effect and anselmo kept sober for some time afterwards i made frequent trips in the canoe taking the youngsters and always returned with a good supply of plums we fell in with several families of the wild natives i have described they seemed quiet and well disposed though somewhat low in the scale of humanity i should like to give you an idea of the sort of scenery we met with starting from the ship we began to force our way under the branches and amongst dense bushes till we got into a part where the trees were much loftier and the lower branches were level with the surface of the water most of them covered with flowers besides the plums we found bunches of delicious fruit growing on the branches of a smaller species of palm frequently we heard the rattle of leaves overhead and caught sight of troops of monkeys peeping down among the thick foliage paddling on among the lofty trunks which rose like columns out of the water presently down came a shower of leaves and on looking up we discovered a flock of parrots or a family of trogons large gaily coloured birds with clamorous voices and heavy flight who made the branches shake as they alighted to seize the fruit pendant from them palm-trees of various species prevailed there was no underwood or it had been destroyed by water but the cypos or vines hung in dense masses among the upper branches i wish that i could describe the wonderful birds we saw one perfectly black with a head-dress like an umbrella while some lovely specimens of the feathered tribe had white wings and claret-coloured plumage flowers were of all hues and of immense size some of the more lofty trees were literally covered with clusters of rich golden flowers on the decayed trunks we caught sight of crabs of every variety of tint and size watching for their prey while butterflies and dragonflies of gorgeous hues flitted amid the more open spots wherever the sunlight found its way some of the latter with crimson bodies and black heads and burnished wings others with green and blue bodies a fine region this for frogs but many of them live in trees finding i suppose that they are likely to be gobbled up if they keep as frogs in northern countries do in the water as night drew on we heard them hoo-hooing 
quack quacking keeping up the strangest concert imaginable indeed had not the consul assured me that frogs produced the noise i should have supposed that they were caused by some species of night-bird however i am i confess no great hand at description nor had we a naturalist on board or i might have given you a better account of the various trees and curious things we met with now and then we caught sight of an alligator but the monsters generally betake themselves to pools and quiet places while the waters are as at present at their height by the by we did pass a town which was seen in the distance i did not touch at it but anselmo informed me that the inhabitants were engaged in a little civil war of their own murdering each other to their hearts content had we had time i dare say we might have supplied ourselves with monkey and sloth flesh opossums snakes crabs and a variety of birds but i doubt whether the crew would have appreciated the exertions of the sportsman at last anselmo informed me much to my satisfaction that we were drawing near to the termination of our voyage the trees receded to a distance and on either side of us appeared fields of grass i should think nearly a mile in width though web-footed birds here and there stalked over it not an animal was to be seen the reason of this was that the grass floated on the calm surface of the water i should think we must have sailed through at least fifteen miles of it at last we came to off the town of angostura though not a place possessed of many attractions i never dropped anchor with more satisfaction i was not sorry to get the jealous consul and his veiled lady out of the ship for as you may suppose i wanted to be back among more stirring scenes and escorted him and his wife on shore at the head of a score of blue jackets and five marines to make as imposing an appearance as i could having seen him reinstated in his abode and the consular flagstaff set up again with the flag of old england flying from it i delivered my dispatches from the governor of trinidad to the chief authority in the place and informed him that the majesty of england must not be insulted in the person of one of her consuls but senhor guedes is very jealous of his wife and that is all about it answered the governor of angostura who i found to my surprise was able to converse pretty freely in english such i had suspected was the case and i could not help feeling that i had been sent up on a fool's errand from the appearance of angostura i fancied that it must have been a place of some importance in the past days of spanish glory but like every other former dependency of that unhappy country it everywhere shows marks of decay there are churches and priests but the best thing it can boast of is a very good market in which being able to supply all our wants we revelled luxuriously on fresh provisions during our stay the town also can boast of the very fattest negress i ever set eyes on she would make her fortune in an exhibition in england or america the midshipman asked needham if he would like to marry her bless my heart no young gentleman she's big enough to be the wife of six men twice my size he answered i can think of nothing else to tell you about this remote city it has some commerce for there were three or four american vessels in the harbour loading with hides having paid farewell to the obnoxious consul who shedding a flood of tears gave me a hug which nearly drove the breath out of my body i returned on board and ordering the anchor to be weighed directed anselmo to pilot us back the way we had come and mark me my friend i added if you get drunk and run us on shore i will give you three dozen as sure as you are a living man but cap'n i would no do that same on no account he answered with a bland smile however i had given needham instructions to keep a watch on him and to throw overboard any liquor he might have stowed away three or four coconuts full of rum were discovered among his traps the contents of which were started 
and water substituted it was amusing to see anselmo's face when he found out the trick that had been played him never mind pilot it's better to go without your grog than have a taste of the cat observed needham patting him on the shoulder when you get home you shall have enough to keep you drunk for a week at least you will then be ready to pilot another of her majesty's ships up the river if one of them ever comes this way as we could now sail or drift on all day by sending the boats ahead occasionally to tow us off the trees we made good progress and soon reached the mouth of the river though our trip was not destitute of interest i can only hope that i shall never be sent up the orinoco again terence thanked jack for this description of his trip when they next met which they did off georgetown the capital of british guiana at the mouth of the demerara river its gaily painted wooden houses with broad verandas raised on supports some feet above the ground its canals and dikes and numerous windmills might make it easily mistaken for a dutch town were it not for the tall palm-trees which rise in its midst and the rich tropical scenery around here the corvette and brig remained for some days and then sailed to join the squadron ordered to rendezvous at rio a bright lookout was kept for slavers which notwithstanding the treaty lately made by the brazilian government with england were known to swarm on the coast the local authorities like those of havana encouraging the nefarious traffic which put thousands of dollars into their purses End of chapter 19